Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about season six, episode six, Speechless. Say that 11 times fast. (laughs) Mary, what happened this week? Steve convinces Brandon to let people shoot a film at Casa Walsh, a real film, an art film. Okay, it's a porn. Steve begs Brandon to just let this happen, especially after they give him the role of fake mustache pizza man who gets tickled by cheerleader and maid. Brandon watches the take, but then Susan shows up, having blown off her aunt's bridge game after all. She's disgusted by what she walks into, and Brandon has to convince her he didn't know it was a porn, and admit he should have stopped it sooner once he found out it was a porn. I mean, did it not occur to him to ask the location scout what they were going to film and what they were going to do to the house? I guess not. I mean, because literally when Steve brings them over and is like, hey, this is a location scout, you know, like, I don't know that I would have been like, oh, cool. What movie is this for? But at the same time, I probably would have been like, what famous actor is going to be at my house? You know, and then if like they say the names and I literally don't recognize a single one of them, I'm like, okay, what? what movies have they been in? And the second they start listing them and it's like all, as David calls it, skin flicks, I would have been like, oh, I know what this is. But also red flags for Steve just meeting with a casual location scout. I Yeah. How does Steve meet with a location scout for pornography? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> he probably went online as Tenderheart and they thought, oh, that's your stripper name. We need to contact you. <laughs> Just so ironic since Ian Ziering did end up going and doing Chippendales. Oh, did he? Yeah, he looks good in those photos too. That's a fun fact. Yeah. But yeah, I guess Brandon has gone over his house budget that he set for himself. And I love Nat being like, just ask your parents for money. They'll deal with it. Yeah, like they're not going to say no. Like they didn't take you to Paris, Brandon. You're going to get more money. (laughs) They gave you a house and a car. I think they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and but I mean, honestly, this is a good chunk of change back in 1997, 6, wherever we are right now. You know, 1200 bucks a day, and if it like who knows how long this is going to be. We we don't really know if this is like a 5-minute film or like a standard 90-minute film, right? Like mm-hmm. who knows how long this thing is. And so it's like 1200 bucks a day, multiple takes, you know, like whatever, whatever. It could be at least a week. And if so, that would be a great chunk of change. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, talking through that kind of makes sense why Brandon's like, yes, I will do this. Let me sign that contract without asking any questions because a homie has to make mortgage or whatever. Yeah. I mean, because presumably he's paying for the mortgage, the utilities, the property tax, like insurance, like all the normal stuff you pay for when you quote unquote own a home and technically the deeds in Jim and Cindy Walsh's name. So it's still in their name as far as like all the bills and stuff, but Brandon's on the hook for it because they're in Hong Kong. And I'm just thinking about how much it must have cost to fix the house after he had the destroy the house party. Like that's got to be what put him over his budget. 
For sure, because Lord knows they couldn't just like hand wave it and have Ray, quote unquote, do all of the the fixing. <laughs> Which is kind of a great segue because the next time we see this storyline, Ray is fixing the house because Steve wants everything in tip top shape for when the film crew actually shows up. Exactly. Yeah, he's got Ray working on like a chandelier. Uh, David is installing some speakers upstairs. And then this is when Steve finally admits that they're doing, I think he calls it like an art film or something. And yeah, David's like, it's a skin flick. Mm hmm. And they're like, this is the part where Steve almost like gets made fun of, but also is just like, He's a train wreck, so I kind of want to see what happens. You know, it's like Ray and David give him a hard time, but like, A, this is super on brand for Steve, and then B, it's almost more entertaining than anything else. Like, this is the kind of almost harmless Steve to where, yeah, is what he's doing questionable? Yeah, definitely. But is it wrong? The only thing he did wrong was just not be honest with Brandon about what it was. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the biggest issue that I have with it is that he wasn't honest about the fact – like, Brandon gets completely shocked by walking in and having topless women literally just walking around his house. Right. And I honestly think that the worst part of even that – because, like, normal 19-year-old, 20-year-old boys are going to be like, oh, my God, just like Steve – but this show makes everybody avocado heads and Brandon has to be virtuous and be like, no, this is wrong and disgusting and immoral and you have to shut it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's even interesting about this is that you would – so Steve acts exactly as you expect mm -hmm. for Steve who doesn't act how I would expect is Ray because of what we know about Ray is he doesn't really have any boundaries like when it comes to sex and things like that. He just happens to put up a like allow Donna to have boundaries. But we know he's skirted around it. Right. So the fact that he just like hangs out and listens is weird. But also I'm like, no, nah, bro, you would totally be watching. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they try and make. David and Ray sticking around to be like, they're going to watch this blow up. I'm like, no, they're watching for the boobies. Right. Like any 19, 20, 21. Well, I guess Ray is technically older. Mm -hmm. So he's seen boobies a time or two. <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like maybe David is the one, the only one that reacts as I thought he would, where he just doesn't really care. Like he's just like, this is entertaining because of Steve. But otherwise, whatever. You know what I just thought of? Uh, things to do on a rainy day where <laughs> Brandon and Steve and I think Dylan like hire that woman to come to their house. Mm-hmm. Haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> yeah, I tend to push that one out of my mind. <laughs> but like, so Steve knows what's up. David and Ray have figured out what's up. Brandon does not know. And so the next scene that we see with them is Brandon on campus talking to Susan being like, you know, hey, there's a film shoot going on at my house tonight. So like maybe we go get dinner and then go to the film shoot and like try and be extras or like just watch the magic happen. And what I kind of like about that is that this scene is immediately after we, the audience, learn what kind of film this is. So 
we're almost like giggling to ourselves as an audience, just thinking, ha ha, they're going to be extras. Like they don't know what they're getting themselves into, <laughs> you know, like hijinks ensue, like that kind of thing. So I kind of like the order of it and the editing that they did that just because now we know stuff that they don't know. And it's just funnier that way. Yeah. And like, I love their little banter going back and forth, like especially Brandon thinking this is just like a regular old date. Yeah. Like they're just going to get dinner. Then they're going to go be extras. No big deal. <laughs> I just love Susan being like, why are you pushing me so hard to be at your house when like neither of them know that eventually she's going to show up and be like, oh, he's pushing me to be here so that we can watch live porn together. Exactly. Exactly. But I do appreciate Susan just being like, no, dude, I said no. Like, why are you pushing this? But we then learn because like, I think they've done actually a really good job of making Susan have some walls, mm -hmm. you know, that she puts up. But Brandon's kind of like slowly like knocking them down bit by bit. And I think he's doing so in the right way. He's not forcing anything. He's just like, hey, I really like you. I like spending time with you. But if you say no, you know, whatever, like I'll try again later or tomorrow or whatever. But she actually admits, and this is part of that wall being taken down a little bit, that she's embarrassed to tell him why she's saying no. And we get a cute little like dialogue here from Brandon saying, hey, I've got a sister. If it's a feminine thing, I get it. I could even help you probably, which is like can come off as mansplainy. But at the same time, almost the way he says it and the levity with it makes you think, okay, yeah, he really is just trying to be understanding here and keep it light, right? <laughs> I really loved like right before that when he's trying to get her to go to the film shoot and she's like, why are you doing this? What is so special about everything? And he's like, there's nothing special about my house. It's just a split level Spanish style in the hills. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a five bedroom, 3,000 square foot, like, <laughs> like, it's just this like tiny little flex that he's doing where he's like, what? Mm -hmm. I have a Spanish style house to myself. <laughs> I just want you to see it. You should see the brick on this house. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just adorable. And I do love mm -hmm. that she's like, look, I can't go because I'm playing bridge with my great aunt. And he's like, Okay. Like, that's cute. I don't care. Why would you not want to tell me that? Yeah. And you can tell these are the early days, right? Because she's still trying to somewhat impress him. But she mm -hmm. also feels like I shouldn't need to impress you. Like, you know, there's so much complexity within Susan that I love. But also, yeah, like, if anybody to say you have family obligations, and it's totally fine. It's to Brandon because he's like, I love my family. I hang out with my family all the time. Me and Big Jimbo used to go to Lakers games or like whatever. <laughs> yeah. He literally just like dropped. He's like, you know, I have a sister, right? Yeah. Like, and he was and it's like, he was really close with her enough to know about feminine hygiene and <laughs> all this stuff. I just, it's so cute that she's like, look, I have to play bridge. And he's like, that's great. I love family. And then they kiss very intensely for a moment. I was like, Oh, yeah. It fits. I mean, they're on the same page about how they kiss. <laughs> they really are. That was – I wrote that in italics. <laughs> that means business. <laughs> it was a lot. So we cut back over to Casa Walsh where Steve will not stop talking the, to the director and, like, trying to get into this movie. And – 
I really thought that this director was like messing with him and like trying to play a prank on him of like being like, oh yeah, just sit on the arm of that couch. You're a natural. Yeah, no, he was totally serious and was like, oh, we may have found something here. Yeah, I just, I could not take any of this storyline seriously. And I don't think you're really supposed to either. So it kept throwing me off. But like the next thing, like Steve is talking about like, oh, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. If I could be in this movie, this is art. This isn't just, you know, whatever. And then they find out that the name of the movie is Topless Pizza Party 3. Who knew it could become a franchise? I mean, also, it's just very straightforward. I think, you know, you just get right to the point. (laughs) It's not pretending to be anything it isn't. It's not throwing anything out there. It's just order a pizza, take your top off, which is a very (laughs) bad idea given what happens to Steve later. Exactly, which kind of makes me think maybe this movie is talking about symbolism in its title. (laughs) Like, yes, you're here for the sex, but we also want to talk about the danger of first and second degree burns. (laughs) Yeah, right? What if this became a PSA? (laughs) That's why there was a naked doctor. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what they needed to do was make this a porn PSA, a a porn service announcement. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but let's talk about how that would totally work. I think there might have been a Degrassi episode about that. Like, of course there is. Not full on porn, but like trying to be more real with your PSAs. Mm. I swear that happened on Degrassi. That's so funny. Yeah, I also love this little like scene that we get here because it's more David and Ray just kind of ribbing Steve a bit on all of this i mean steve is just in his element he's like i could dine on this for years and ray's just like yeah you could get vd from this for years like he's like they're just kind of making fun of him but also letting him just go i mean even the point where like one of the i guess makeup artists tries to like touch up david and he's like no 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 i'm not in this and steve's like he's not qualified (laughs) i honestly brian austin green just being like really Mm mm-hmm perfect like that was just like key acting of just like mm-hmm. there's I really wish it wasn't filming porn behind your best friend's back in his house that like made all of these things happen but yeah like when Steve is like trying to lean on the couch and talk to the director and David and Ray are just like behind him laughing in the foyer mm-hmm. like I know adorable we get some good stuff and you can actually tell, and maybe this isn't true and I'm just taking this, you know, out of nowhere, but it actually seems like Steve or Ian Ziering is taking some like Jim Carrey acting mm-hmm. notes because like his movement and his like um, the accents and, and the stuff he does with his face, like it feels very 90s, like Ace Ventura, the mask type of Jim Carrey acting. So I almost wonder if, like, just because those movies were really popular in the mid to late 90s, did, was Ian Ziering a fan and was he trying out some comedic chops here? <laughs> I could totally buy that given, you know, what we've seen with Steve before and the fact that, like, Steve is just not a serious character. Yeah. You know, like, I don't remember what episode it was, but I very, in my mind, I can picture that, like, head flip that Steve did 
it would not surprise me at all for him to be like, look, I'm getting episodes where I don't know how to use a computer and I'm, you know, secretly filming porn in the house I live in. I'm going to ham it up. Right. Which is a perfect transition into the next scene, which is still at the at the Walsh house. And Steve is just so excited. He's running around like crazy. And this is where we see Ray, like not really wanting to watch, but he's he's willing to listen. And finally, Brandon comes back to the house and, you know, he does he still doesn't know what's going on. And so the director actually comes and tells Steve that they had a like actor drop out or whatever. So they want him to play the pizza delivery guy. I just of course he is. Of course this is what was going on. Right. And like Brandon, not knowing what's going on, is like, hang on a minute. I want a shot at this. And this is when Steve just steves it up and is like, and with with Brandon, like like Ian and Jason here are totally just like playing off each other. Cause Steve speaks in a, a weird southern accent, which reveals what the film is. He kind of like moves Brandon um to see what happens he goes bug-eyed and then he like gets all mad but he like pulls brandon or like brandon pulls steve and he kind of does that like flip and exaggerated like i don't know jump (laughs) to be pulled in that direction i'm telling you it's like yeah he wanted to be comedic this episode oh absolutely and like everything that they're doing where they keep showing the topless actresses and like they're just very carefully hidden behind hairspray bottles or like the cheerleader gets her pom-poms and like that's mm-hmm. what's covering her. Like they were going for something very specific here. And there's like definitely some serious moments like in this moment Brandon's like, oh my God, is this legal? Like are we going to get in trouble for this? This is sleazy. This is degrading. You need to stop this immediately. But then I think it's the cheerleader that comes by and is like, oh, you're cute. You are too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, like, Steve's, like, just relax and enjoy the eye candy, which for this, I'm like, all right, this is fine. Because, like, the women consented to be here. They consented to show their skin. Like, you know, normally I'd be like, ew. But, I mean, it's still a little ew, but it's passable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is definitely the show is trying to be, like, Brandon doesn't watch porn. But I'm Mm -hmm. like, these women, like, they're very comfortable in their skin. They're just walking around like this. If they were not comfortable with Brandon being there, they would have covered up or, like, told him to leave. Like, this is fine. Let's just, like, let's be Steve about this. Yeah, or even David or Ray about this. You know, just, like, chill about it. It's fine. I do love – so in the next scene is when Steve is putting on that horrible fake mustache and sunglasses and, like – it's kind of clear he, like, half doesn't want anybody to actually know it was him in this movie, even though he wants to be in this movie. And I love just, like, Brandon and Ray in the background being like, you're not thinking with your head right now. Like, this is totally going to blow up in your face, and now we're here for this. Oh, for sure. They may as well have had popcorn. <laughs> I just, like... Uh, and when the pizza shows up and they give it to Steve and he immediately starts trying to eat it. Like, dude, you are supposed to deliver this, not eat it. (laughs) I just, like, they keep talking about how hot it is, and he's trying to – I was like, he's going to burn his mouth and then have to come in and be like, anybody order pizza? Yeah, right? But instead, we basically get the inspiration for the Riverdale tickling 
um, (laughs) storyline. And Steve comes in. It's classic, like, adult film where the ladies invite him in. They start kissing him and, like, being all over him, tickling him. He giggles a lot, straight up laughs. And then the hot pizza dumps all over him. So since you brought up the Riverdale tickling, you have heard of competitive tickling, right? Not before Riverdale, I hadn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like a legitimate thing where, like, I don't remember all of the details of it, but they would, like, want guys to show up and they would, like, provide them with very specific fitness gear. And they were like, we just want to tickle you for as long as you can stand to be tickled and we're going to film it. But it's not sexual, but we're going to film it and you're going to wear the clothes that we want you to wear. Did y'all see the documentary Tickled? I listened listened to the dollop episode about it, and then the dollop guys are in the documentary. Oh, my gosh. So I didn't – like, I don't remember all of it, but, um, yeah, just, like, it being really fucked up when boys were just like, I feel really weird about this tickling video that I was in. And I want to I want to stop being tickled now. And they're like, no, we're going to show you getting tickled to everyone, you know, and your dad. And oh, man. Yeah, it, it was so weird. It's so weird. They're like, it's not sexual at all. But uh, still be prepared to be humiliated forever if anyone finds out you did this. Man, that's like Just, blackmail. Yeah, it's wild. It, like really it, tickling is wild. So, yeah, when. Steve just started getting tickled and they're like pulling his clothes off while tickling him. That is definitely what I thought of. And I was like, this movie just took a turn. Yeah. So weird. Like, cause yeah, he's super ticklish and you almost expect it from Steve, but also, also not because it, Steve is all about bravado and confidence, but it's like false confidence. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, he almost doesn't want, people to know he's in this even though he's like boasting that he had he arranged a porn to be filmed at his best friend's house you know it's like this weird thing where he boasts about certain things but wants to be secret about others Mm -hmm. so you would think he would have the confidence to not be ticklish or at least be cooler about it you know but no he straight up freaks out and it's like no 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 stop 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 and then pizza (laughs) all over him and they end up like having to cut And then they're like, all right, we're going to do it again, but we're going to get like the close-ups or whatever they say. But this is the moment when Susan shows up because her bridge game was canceled and Brandon tries so hard to get her out of this house before she can see what's happening. But literally every single room she turns in, there are (laughs) naked people. From the men to the women. And I was like, oh, so there are more than just naked women. I forgot. It takes more than just like random people thrown together to make a porn. (laughs) Okay, but like, I feel like if it literally was just a topless pizza party where a bunch of women are not wearing shirts and eating pizza, the video would still sell. Oh, 100%. 100%. I totally would. I really need to know what the naked doctor was doing there, though, if not to treat the burns from the pizza. <laughs> like, That's the only reasonable explanation. Well, because he's completely naked except for like a surgical mask. And I think he had a stethoscope. Yeah. Or was he just happy to see us? <laughs> so what is he supposed to do? Just like walk into the room and be like, Yeah, I just got off my shift at the naked hospital. (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> we ran out of scrubs. Like what? <laughs> I don't know. But oh man, Susan freaks out. She won't let Brandon explain. She's completely grossed out by the fact that he was working so hard to get her to his house and this is what she came in on. So she just bails. And this at this point, now that it's like truly blown up in Brandon's face, he's had enough and he like rips up the check, tells them they need to clean up and get out of his house. And mm-hmm. he goes to chase after Susan. Which we had already seen Brandon being mad about being mad but then being like okay it's fine so you know this behavior isn't out of character at all for him mm-hmm. you know i think he just kind of was like all right i probably let this go on too far i need to like shut it down and he does um but part of me is like i think he's really just doing this for susan because clearly he was like okay with it mm-hmm. but then he almost needed like a moral compass or what he deems as a moral compass to come in and tell him like no this is wrong you should probably stop And I think that fits in his character because, I mean, remember, I think it was at the very end of last season at Palm Springs when Jim and Cindy were leaving and, like, Brandon starts getting drunk. He's, like, going to try and sleep with Valerie. And then Jim and Cindy appear in the mirror and are like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes Brandon just needs that external force to drive him back to the Brandon that we know and love. Exactly. Which is crazy to think how anti-Brandon we were, you know, not that long ago, just a few short seasons ago. And now I'm like, Brandon's easily one of the best characters, like easily. Well, because he's really chilled out. Like growth. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he like rips up the check and is like, so sue me. And I was literally sitting here being like, Brandon, they will. And you can't afford it, bruh. Yeah. (laughs) But like, he doesn't like, throw it at Steve. He doesn't scream at anybody. He's just like, look, this is done. I'm over it. I have to go. And he mm-hmm. walks out and he ends. He doesn't catch up with Susan until she's back at her dorm room, at which point he's like, look, the shoot was Steve's fault. Like, I probably should have stopped it earlier, but like, I did not know that that was what you were going to come into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's at this point where, you know, Susan talks about her stance on por- pornography. She says it's revolting, but then she kind of makes she starts making comments about Steve and even though you know Brandon is somewhat on the same page with her about pornography she's still like well but you're also like kind of hanging out with people who are totally fine with it and all this stuff so she's trying to say like the company you keep is you like whoever you associate yourself with also kind of becomes your identity as well which is true mm-hmm. you know i think i think the larger friend group you have, the more differences you may have. But I do think that, you know, if you are in a small group, you do tend to take on each other's interests and, and behaviors and, and stuff like that. But then Susan calls Steve a pervert and then brings up the fact that he cheated on a placement test, his math placement test, mm-hmm. and then calls him a bonehead. So Susan is very anti-Steve right now. Yeah. And like, Apparently, the math department, like, talks about Steve behind his back. Like, she's being very antagonistic against Steve. And Brandon's like, look, he's dumb. Like, his actions Mm -hmm. are stupid, but you don't get to just say these things about him. And Brandon turns to leave. He's like, I'm not going to stand here while you make fun of my friend. And, you know, of course, we are very hard on Steve because, we, you know, we always talk about him failing upward and – 
never really learning from his mistakes. And, you know, I do think people like Steve do tend to get a free pass or at least several do-overs. And at some point, there's like a fine line between enabling it, right? Like not Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's kind of like you, you almost have a separate standard for somebody like Steve than you would somebody like Brandon. Because on paper, Brandon's always been the golden boy. So when he does something that's less than Brandon, it's the world is ending, right? Mm-hmm. But Steve, this is the norm. So I I understand where Susan's coming from because it's the same stuff we've been critical about. But at the same time, Brandon's like, hey, well, hold on. He's my friend. You know, like I, I get it. He's made some pretty poor decisions, but he's my friend. And in 20 years, he's still going to be my friend. But I still think there's there's Brandon, if he's not there yet, he's getting really close to that line of enablement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've been asking for some sort of <laughs> repercussions for Steve's actions and we haven't yet gotten it. Yeah, I think the biggest difference between us and Susan is that we say things because we want Steve to be better and Susan is sure. just saying things because she's mad about Steve and like I think she kind of wants to talk shit about Steve with Brandon and Brandon's like, "Sure. No, th- this is not working with me. Like you talking about bridge with your great aunt, that was good. Making fun mm-hmm. of my friend for doing something dumb, not okay with me." Well, and even they found mutual you know, agreement on how they how they feel about porn. Mm-hmm. So that was almost fine. It was then when you started attacking my friend. That's that's when I'm out. That's mm-hmm. when you don't have me. You've lost me. Which, you know, Susan calls him back. She does invite him in. You know, they kind of make up. And she even says, she's like, look, I'm not trying to censor porn. I'm just not inviting it into my living room like some people I know. Which is a fair point. Mm-hmm. I think you can, like, this is a a great way to say, Hey, whatever, you know, you do you, I'm going to do me. You know, like I'm not trying to say let's take it out of the equation altogether. I'm just saying I don't really want anything to do with it. And I do think there's a lot of people out there that are like that. I think now more than ever, the industry as a whole has become a good subject of debate and healthy conversation because it's kind of, it's very similar to, you know, like we talk about strippers and things like that. It's like as long as they're, treated fairly as long as they are happy in what they're doing they can make really good money and they can you know kind of have a successful career with this it's it's when it becomes harmful and abusive and dangerous that's where and lies the problem but i think it takes some time and kind of introspection in each person individually to understand where they fall on that line and i think susan's opinions here is something that isn't really too polarizing because it's mm-hmm. very much like it's fine I just I, it's not for me mm-hmm. well and like Brandon does ask he's like oh well you know what does turn you on and she says romance you know she likes bubble baths and candles and you know all of this kind of stuff which like yeah it's kind of the same thing where she's like well porn's not for me but this romance really is and like I feel like if John drew me a bath I'd be like I don't understand what you did here <laughs> See, I would have the almost a, almost a similar reaction, but I might be like, what did you do? <laughs> like, because I think Nate, he would go as far as saying, you should go take a bath, you know, to relax. You deserve it. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds 
cool, cool, cool. But if he specifically did it without asking and set everything up, I'm like, all right, what do you have to be sorry for? <laughs> like, well, and I love that Brandon's like, you know, I can go like I think Susan says she'll run a bath and Brandon says he'll light candles. And I'm like, oh, Susan wants to take a bath with Brandon? Damn. But then I thought like, wait a minute, you guys are in a dorm. You're going to have the tiniest bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be so different. It's going to be like, you know, when you put like real little kids into the bath and you only put in like six inches of water. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen here because they're just not going to be able to fit. Oh, my God. They're going to just be cold. (laughs) The water's for their ankles, and their knees are just up against yeah. their chest, and they're just staring at each other. <laughs> just like, uh, I mean, the faucet's really digging into my back. Maybe we can, like, try something different. No, I I have my space over here. Like, I can't move my knees. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. At least they're on the same page. <laughs> you know, it, honestly, it was really adorable. And, like, truly, when she was like, you know, we could take a bath, I was like, damn girl like I am for Susan and Brandon and I do love the next morning he wakes up and she like left a little note on her pillow it's like went for a run and then he starts making her bed and she's just like oh my god you made the bed which I'm like that's your test I mean it's very Susan but I'm like huh like I Okay, I don't even make my bed. It's fine. <laughs> I had like the teeniest issue of her being like, you passed the test. I was like, why are you testing him? You literally just slept with him. Like tests are done now. But at the same time, like it it warms my heart when John makes the bed in the morning. So like mm. when Brandon started making, I literally wrote, he gets up and makes her bed and then put a little heart emoji. And then she came in and was like, oh my God, you made my bed. I was like, oh no, I'm Susan. <laughs> Hey, it's not a bad thing. It's really not. It's and really I do not. think Yeah, and I do think like probably what this was is showing less about the test and more like this is also a thing that turns me on. So I'm really glad you did it. Now let's go get it on cuz he's like, "Hey, I just made this bed." And she's like, "Whatever, I don't care." <laughs> she's like, "You'll just have to make it again." It's like, "Yeah." <laughs> so cute. She strikes me as as somebody who might like to watch if she existed in 2022 at this age. She might like the like power um, washing videos on YouTube just because she <laughs> likes to see a job well done. <laughs> just fall asleep watching carpet cleaning. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that's the Steve slash Brandon slash Susan story. Very. Yeah, we don't really get like a resolution on did they pack up and leave? Like did Steve schmooze them over? Like what? I kind of feel like it would be really on brand for as soon as Brandon leaves, Steve to be like, look, can we wrap this up tonight and you recut the check? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can see it. Let's just speed this up because Brandon does still need the money. Right. And he's presumably not coming back, like at least for the night. So, and if they were able to finish that night, that's only one day they have to pay for. Yeah. I feel like it works with all parties. Mm hmm. But yeah, we, we haven't seen a resolution for that. So I guess, you know, TBD on how Brandon's going to come up with the money he needs. And other than that, I mean, Mary, what else happened this week? 
Dylan has an interesting double date with Tony with an I and her dad, Tony Business. Yeah, that's, that's really it. Yeah, we see Dylan on campus again, which I keep thinking about when Brandon's like, like, you might as well re-enroll because you're here more than you were when you were enrolled. Um, but he's now at the library and he bumps into Tony, but we learn it was on purpose. She's apparently mad at him. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why. Dylan doesn't know why. But we learn it's because Bruno, we assume, told Tony that Dylan was snooping around in her dad's office. Yeah. And Tony seems like real high up on respect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. boundaries and like trust and things like that. Yeah, she's like, I know you were snooping. Like, you need to respect me and my father, honor our privacy. You can't just go in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dylan does kind of apologize. He's like, look, curiosity got the better of me. I really want to know about your dad. And she's like, okay, fine. How'd you know I like teddy bears? And then Dylan is a little cute and is like, it's easy. I was snooping in your closet. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. Like, because if I'm Tony, I'm like, ha but were you? <laughs> But she takes it, like, very well to the point that the next time we see her, she's calling Dylan to be like, hey, you know, you said you want to know more about my dad. We're going to go get dinner with him, so can you pick me up at 7 and we'll go to the restaurant? Yep. And this is also where she casually mentions, like, hey, by the way, did you know that my dad knew your dad? And at this point, it's still – you know, it's still unclear how much Tony is like secret agent, you know, mm-hmm. but it is starting to feel like she really has no clue. Like she really is just a private person. She wants respect, you know, for her family because she knows, I mean, she knows her family's a rich family. So like she probably is just like, no, no, like, look, don't ask about me. Don't ask about my money. Don't ask about my dad. Like it's all private. Mm-hmm. So it really does actually seem like she's just like, I don't really know anything. I just know what my dad tells me and what you tell me. So you better be honest. Right. Like, I can't decide if she's just a really good actress or if she really Mm -hmm. doesn't know. Because, I mean, at dinner, Tony with a Y is late. And she's like, this is really not like him. Like, he's never late. He's really not that intimidating. I know that, like, this is starting to look really bad for him. But -hmm. I want you to know that he thought a lot about your dad. At which point Dylan's like, did you know my father was murdered? I don't really tell anyone because it's a conversation ender. But did you know? And yeah, because Dylan's starting to get – he was already uneasy about meeting Tony with a Y in the first place. But also, he's like – you know, you can – he's like tensing up a little bit, kind of like, why the heck is he not shown up yet? Mm-hmm. Finally, he's like, well, he was murdered. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you should know this. And I think he's still trying to suss out Tony with an eye too. Oh, I absolutely agree. And – you know, Tony with a Y ends up calling the restaurant saying, like, I'm going to be late. You can start without me. Tony with an I is really upset. And then he ends up missing the entire dinner. And she's like, no, he is paying for this because this is unacceptable. But then the restaurant comes back and is like, hey, your dad's on the phone again. And I really thought that we were going to end up following her to the phone and being like, yeah, you know, Dylan brought up that his dad was murdered. It's totally working or you know, whatever. Mm. Like, that's what I was expecting. I was not expecting her to get called to the phone, which 
who's on the phone with her then if five seconds later her father and another man show up and sit at the table? I mean, it's got to be Bruno, right? It has to be. Where was he this episode? Exactly. When Dylan is walking across campus with the bag at the very beginning, I was like, ooh, what did he bring Bruno today? Right. <laughs> that looked more like takeout. <laughs> yeah, the way he was holding it, it looked like he was holding like a clamshell. I was like, I hope it's breakfast tacos. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, we stay on Dylan and yeah, Tony and a different bodyguard r- rolls up and basically like tells Dylan he knows who he is. He is all on the up and up. Like, I want you to stay away from Tony, like all this stuff, definitely like the threatening mob boss, not just protecting his daughter, but protecting himself. Meanwhile, Dylan is over here being like, I want you to give yourself up or die. Your choice. Yeah, this 19, 20 year old is just like, hey, mob boss, I'm better than you. You're going to do what I say. And Tony is like, hey, remember that time that guy I know hung you out of a tram over a mountain? Yeah. That was me. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that that's how you threaten someone, right? (laughs) Yeah, and Dylan keeps saying like, well, I have everything I need to put you away, which is such lies because if he did, I feel like he would do something about it. Like, yeah, I don't I don't understand how Dylan's like the FBI didn't do anything. So I have to do it myself. But if I die, then the FBI is going to do something about it. Like, (laughs) it's a very circular argument. It's very, yeah, it is. It's such a mess. Like Dylan's like, I'm going to get you in trouble for murder with the FBI. My murder. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never see it coming. (laughs) It it reminds me of that meme where the guy is like hunched over and he's like, call an ambulance. And he pulls out the gun and is like, but not for me. I mean, that's essentially how this goes. Like, Dylan's trying to, like, shake down a noted crime lord, basically. And then Tony's just like, bro, real talk, you don't stay away from Tony. I'm going to have my buddy here, like, shoot a little higher or whatever he says. Mm. And it's revealed this really long gun with then a silencer on top of it. So it's like it reminded me of the guns in the cartoons that then when you pull the trigger, the little flag comes out. (laughs) Bang. (laughs) Yeah. I just love – yeah, this guy has this big silencer and Dylan's just like, oh, really? Because I'll shoot him right back. And he's just got his little tiny gun. Also, even with the silencer on, when the the other guy cocks it, it's like (laughs) – it's the loudest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Don't worry. We're just opening up seltzers. It's fine. Right. (laughs) And I love, like, Dylan points the gun and Tony's like, you wouldn't do anything that stupid. And me, the audience, is going, you don't know Dylan. Right? Right? And then Dylan's like, you wouldn't either. And it's like, do you, like, that's why they put on a silencer, my guy. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) and I, like, this scene ends with Dylan being like, I'll leave, but I won't go away. I'm never going away until you're put away. It's like, you sound like a child. Well, it also, it sounded like Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine trying to come up with an excellent, like, I caught you thing. Like, how he always tried with Doug Judy and failed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I guess 
Dylan does leave and he just leaves Tony at the restaurant with Tony because like the last scene we see with them, Tony with an eye comes to Dylan's house and is like, I know what you're doing. I know you used me to get to my dad. He told me everything because of course he would. Yeah. Like at this point, he just wants Dylan and Tony to be away from each other. So of course he's going to be like, yeah, you should know the truth, which none of this is a lie. Like I think that's important to point out. Like Dylan's like, well, you know that your dad would do anything to keep you away from me. But it's like, Okay, but where's the lie? Like, he he didn't say anything that was untrue. And the only thing here is that Dylan says, like, she, he finally reveals, like, well, your dad killed my dad. So that's that's why the vendetta, vendetta exists. And she just doesn't ever think that her dad would actually kill someone. Which, to be fair, like, we don't really actually have proof that that happened. Like Dylan says he has something in the lockbox, but all we know is that while his dad was in prison, he told his cellmate that Tony Marchette put him in prison or that he was going to turn evidence against him. Like we don't actually have total proof that Tony with a Y murdered Jack McKay. Yeah. We just have verbal confirmation. Yeah. I'm still on team Jack McKay faked his death. I mean, I it would make me really sad to find out that Dylan has believed for so long that he knows who murdered his father and then, like, find out that that's not the case and his dad just died as, like, collateral damage or something. Like, that would make me really sad. But, yeah, I am I am not on this whole Tony Marchette killed Dylan's dad and this is like very star-crossed lovers of them like this is Romeo and Juliet someone's dying in the end yeah I mean yeah it's it's essentially the McKay's against the Marchettes and no one comes out alive (laughs) I mean we are watching a soap opera like yeah I mean I can neither confirm nor deny any events that take place this is weirdly one of the very few storylines that I remember everything. So I'm having to stay so just objective here. All will be answered. I'll just say that. <laughs> like, I just, I I don't know how they're going to come out of it. So I'm just going to make a bold guess that Dylan kills Tony with a Y. And then he finds out that it wasn't the case. But Tony with an I doesn't prosecute him. But then like three seasons, she's going to come back and be like, you killed my father. She basically turns into what's her face in the um Thor series, like the sister. She turns into Hella. Oh, like she just like she's been so ignored. Like she's finally. I'm like, no, it's my. I'm the villain. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely very like Riverdale, Buffy, like big bad kind of tv show versus this where like she comes back and she's like i'm just gonna make your life a living hell she's daddy Mm -hmm. lodge oh my god yeah she's daddy lodge if veronica lodge became daddy lodge (laughs) which i would be okay with i kind of would too oh but yeah i mean that's that's how we end them too so like there's a lot of build-up in this episode that we're not getting resolution for at this Mm -hmm. point uh, which I think is a perfect segue to talk about what the gals did this week. 
the gals get their own version of a spiritually healing road trip that's supposed to be a spa, but after a bit of car trouble, they end up with nuns. The convent has a rule about no talking from sundown to sunup, which turns out to be a good thing because Kelly cannot stop being mean to Valerie. It also doesn't help that Val can't stop coming clean about everything she's done in the last year ending 20 minutes ago, including banging Ray twice in season five and kissing David this morning. Okay, but to be fair, David kissed Val. Right. And she, that look on her face, like her reaction, she was so surprised slash like, huh. Like this was the first time we've seen her like not confident or not have a witty or like sexy remark or something afterwards. She was like left shocked. Yeah. Completely caught off guard. And like it kind of felt like she wasn't really into it. Like, it, well, I'm going to feel like we're going to have to get there because I want to open, like, <laughs> the first thing that happens is Ray, like, finishing up an unplugged set at the pee pad and Val makes this comment, like, oh, this is his last set before he goes to record his album, which is really setting up that, like, Ray is just going to disappear for a few episodes. Yeah, exactly. And Donna and Claire are kind of, like, talking about something like they're revealing to us the viewers that they're going on a spa weekend Claire's got a station wagon from her dad and like it's gonna be great but it's probably not gonna be stress-free because Val asked to go and we said yes without telling you Kelly sorry right and you can tell this was definitely like a Donna Claire like okay thing because they kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. I mean Claire even tells Kelly like did you really want to leave her alone with Colin all weekend (laughs) which uh is is a fair thing for Claire to say but it's one of those things where I'm like Kelly just stop just like yeah calm down like I mean Kelly just hates Val so much and it is a point of contention for the rest of her life. Like, I don't think they're ever going to become friends, which is wild to me thinking we still have five seasons of this show. Yeah, yeah. And it's something, too, where, I mean, it could also just be Kelly still being fresh off of the confrontation at the Rose Ball or whatever it was called (laughs) and just kind of still not letting that go, right? Because she just tried to swoop in, you know, whether or not Valerie was actually trying to swoop in is is not for, Kelly doesn't know mm-hmm. for sure, but she can only assume that she's trying to mess with her. So she's like, nope, uh-uh, uh-uh, get her out of here. I don't want her here. I don't care what she does. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> and yet Kelly keeps showing up at her club repeatedly. Right, right. Like, it's it's just so funny to me. but. The next morning, you know, Val is packing at Casa Walsh and David shows up. He's like, you know, returning some notes because I guess she and him have classes together. And she was trying to help him catch up after, you know, he had missed a whole bunch of time from what happened last week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he thanks her for the notes. He thanks her for everything that she did and is like, it's a little surprising to me that you're going on this spa weekend. And she's like, hey, man, I kind of invited myself to mend some fences. And it actually does legitimately seem like this season, Valerie is trying to, like, stop the mustache twirling and actually 
be friends with these avocado heads because she's realizing these are really the only people I got. And if these people got me, I have a whole group. I don't just have one ginger, right? (laughs) And yeah, like between everything that happened with them last week and her giving him her notes and saying that she wants to mend all these fences, like David just kisses her and is like, have a great time. See you when you get back and leaves. Which is kind of a boss move by David. <laughs> right? Like when she is shocked, I was like, it seems like she didn't like this, but I also feel like that like real strong goodbye that he did is going to stick in her mind and she's going to yes. be like, okay, I can see this working. Because mm-hmm. remember, she dreamt about him. Like he was essentially the solution to her nightmares. Mm-hmm. So it's like she wanted to ha- it to happen, didn't expect it to happen, and is now like, well, wait. Like you said, with that like kind of really strong goodbye, she's like, what does this mean? Yeah. And so, you know, we cut to all the girls are in the station wagon and they're like, you know, passing around snacks and being like, okay, what's the, you know, best pretzel? What's the best place to kiss? What's the best kiss you've had? And we get references to the UFO stuff that David and Claire did. Didn't ever think that'd come back. <laughs> and like, what a thing for Claire to be like, oh, yeah, you know, we did this while we were doing UFOs. And then everyone just moves on. I would have been like, hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> UFO hunting? Yeah. Tell me more, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we also get a reference to Allison. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, did the girls – so I guess Kelly did tell them, like, what went down between them. Yeah, because they're talking about best kiss, and they're like, oh, Kelly, it was totally Allison, right? And Kelly says, uh, no, it was Dylan. Dylan was my best kiss. But then she, like, continues to give out more awards for kissing and is like, Brandon wins for consistency and Colin wins for intensity, but, like – the best kiss of my life is Dylan. I'm just going to be like, oh, Steve gets nothing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, they're like 15. So I know, but he brings it up all the time. Well, yes, that's true. (laughs) I mean, I will say that tracks though. Like Brandon with consistency, we know how he kisses. Colin does seem like kind of a bleeding heart kind of guy. So I could see the intensity thing. And plus, mm-hmm. like, they've been kissing a lot. So I can see that. And But yeah, definitely Dylan. Dylan absolutely seems like the best kisser. Absolutely. And then, you know, they start going around and Donna and Claire both say that David was their best kiss. And then Kelly makes this offhanded comment to be like, well, Val's kissed everybody. And you can see it in Val's face being like, oh, you want to play that game? Because I'm better at this game than you are. My best right. kiss was David. Yeah, and she just, like, kind of mic drops it, and Donna's like, sorry, what now? <laughs> and, like, it it really just spirals after mm-hmm. that. I mean, they, like, try to get back on to this game of being like, oh, well, what's the best music that you've made out to? And Donna is, like, really still stuck on this fact that Val has also kissed David, and it's just like, why are we only talking about sex? Right. And Kelly can't help herself and is like, well, we talk about sex because Val has slept with everyone. Like, Kelly has not slept with everyone in the friend group. Like, I'm not saying that either of them should be slut-shaming the other, but, like, 
glass houses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally the entire list of guys that Kelly gives to Val or people she's made out with. <laughs> yeah. Steve. At the least. Steve. Well, let's see. Who was it? Steve. Well, not Ray, but Steve, Ray. What was the list? Brandon. It was Steve, Brandon, Dylan. And Dylan. And then I feel like she must have said Ray too, but I I don't remember who else was on the list, but like it was literally everyone Kelly's made out with. It was Colin yeah. who was on the list. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, they basically shared boys. <laughs> yeah. Like, and Kelly has cheated on people with other people on that list and mm-hmm. is giving Val a bunch of grief. And Val's like, okay, well, you know, let's talk about how we'd love to talk about behind everything behind my back. And Donna is the one that steps up at this point and is like, oh, you want to talk about things in the open? Because I am ready to talk about things in the open. Yeah, because at first it seems like she's just been really quiet because they're all talking about sex. But then she's like, nope, here we go. Let's just keep this out in the open then. The reason I've been quiet is because I want to know what really happened between you and Ray. And to be fair to Val's credit, she admits it. She's like, okay, fine. We slept together twice and is it kelly that's like wow you really are a slut aren't you yes and you can tell this is totally 90s totally early 2000s where slut shaming each other is the norm and not at all bad or in poor taste or anything like that it's just that's just what you call each other yeah and they're just being so horrible to each other like this is blowing up because then Val says that Claire knew at which point Kelly is like well why didn't anybody tell me not the Mm -hmm. point Kelly (laughs) but then Claire says well I thought David would tell you which means that David knew and Donna is literally physically ill at this idea that so many people knew that her boyfriend was cheating on her and didn't do anything Right. And to be fair, I think we talked about it at the time. It is a really weird position for Claire and David to be put in because Mm -hmm. they don't want to do anything to hurt Donna. Because if you recall, they confronted Ray about it and were like, hey, you better like not do this anymore and take care of Donna or we are going to tell Donna, you know. So so it's like I, I, I think Donna is just more hurt in general that she is made to look like the fool again. Again. Like truly. Kelly being like, well, why didn't anybody tell me really makes – like, Kelly's not having a good streak lately. (laughs) I know. It's Colin. I'm telling you, it's Colin. And the thing is, we were so happy at the beginning of the season for Kelly to be like, new year, new me. And I'm like, wait, I don't like this new you. I know. It's like there's certain things that are good, other things that are terrible. Yeah. And, like, they actually do get out of the car because Donna feels like she's going to throw up. And Kelly and Claire are like, look, we'll go to the spa anyway. It'll be really nice and relaxing. And we don't have to talk to Val. And Val is literally sitting in the car being like, I can hear you. (laughs) And when they get back in the car, Claire tries to start the car, but it won't start. And they still somehow blame Val because she's been sitting in the car the whole time. Blows my mind. (laughs) They're just like, you did this. I don't know how you did this, but you did this. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that Claire is like, I'm just going to get under the hood. I took a class on mechanics one summer because of course she did. 
And to be fair, out of all of the ladies in this car who I thought could have fixed a car, my money would have been on Claire because she is an intellect. So my money, I feel like, would have been on Val, actually, but then Mm. Val, like, refusing to fix the car until they all talk to her and then her fixing it. But then at the same time, I feel like that would somehow validate them being like, well, you broke it just so that you could fix it and be the savior. Right, 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 right. But it doesn't matter because a nun pulls up. I never – like – I could see the car trouble happening. I could see them getting in a car accident. I could see them getting lost, whatever the case may be. Could not have guessed a nun would show up. <laughs> and I, Donna's like, oh, my God, you're a godsend. <laughs> yeah, because of course. Of course. But so this nun is like, look, we'll go back to my convent. You know, one of the sisters is a mechanic and she'll help you fix your car. And until then, you can, like, at least hang out with us instead of sitting mm-hmm. on this mountaintop by yourself right right exactly and of course donna like charms the nun with doing the catholic stuff when she walks into the convent and sister alice is is this sister's name you know she's like oh bless you and i just feel like donna really fits in and donna fits in so much like (laughs) i the the nun stuff was a little weird to me but like it worked it did work, yeah, because, like, the whole point was less about the nun, more about the, like, what they did while they were there, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, it starts off, they get into a room that Sister Alice takes them to to sleep for the night and all that. And as they're just kind of getting things ready, like, they start getting really, really snippy with snippy with each other. I mean, basically, Claire is essentially calling Kelly a prima donna because she has to sleep in a bed that, you know, doesn't have, you know, Egyptian cotton sheets, like whatever, whatever, makes a reference to Princess in the Pea, like all that kind of stuff. And then Val is still kind of trying to, like, I don't know, make some peace, you know, with Mm -hmm. all this and just trying to like, hey, we should probably talk about our feelings instead of just getting mad at each other. And she's like, don't you guys feel like being here makes you want to sing Do Re Mi and, you know, sing across the mountaintop or whatever, which is obviously a reference to Sound of Music. But then she has to go and be like, if only Ray and his guitar were here. Like, she, sometimes it does feel like she's taking a step forward and then just like digging her own grave. Like, Mm -hmm. girl, stop digging. You have gone far enough because... Yeah, Donna snaps at her and she's like, how long are you three saints going to keep beating this dead horse? Forgive me for I have sinned. And Kelly's like, yeah, you have. (laughs) I got to say, loved Val being like, I'm sorry. I heard about someone getting with someone's boyfriend while she was in France. Yep. Like literally you cheated on your best friend with Dylan. And that's her best kiss. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think about that. See, it could have been so many of their kisses, though, that involved cheating, too, because it also could have been the rollerblading kiss. That was my next thought. Oh, my God. And thankfully, this nun comes in and is like, hey, I didn't tell you. We take a nightly vow of silence. So, (laughs) shh. (laughs) Yeah. Remember, God is listening. (laughs) That would have worked so well on me if she was like god is listening 
goodbye. <laughs> be like, oh my God, I really do have to like silence my thoughts. I'm just not going to think anything for 12 hours. Right. Like go straight to sleep, skip dinner. Don't talk to me. Which like – They've started this little silence vow that the nuns do, and, and like, good on them. They mm-hmm. actually take it to heart, right? But all of a sudden, we hear a phone ring, and I'm like, hold, hold, hold the phone, literally. You guys had a damn cell phone the entire time and didn't call a car, like a tow truck? Right. You didn't call AAA? Yeah, or whatever equivalent there was back then. If there wasn't AAA, I don't know the rules, but I do know the rules are if you have a phone, you use it. Right? Like, call Claire's dad. Call Colin. Call anybody. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the phone rings. It's Kelly's cell phone. They're whispering. She's like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, well, answer the phone. And it turns out it's Colin who literally just called to be like, hey, I miss you. I don't really have a lot of time, but I just wanted to check in and see how things are going because his art dealer, Claudia, who – we remember from that time that Kelly answered his phone and wrote down Claudia. <laughs> but Claudia shows up and when Kelly hangs up the phone, we stay on Colin instead of going back to the convent right away. And Claudia gets real close to Colin and is like, oh, hey, and starts kissing him. Yeah, he she basically makes this comment about how like Colin can roam, but remember who treats you the best. So essentially, like Colin is in a open relationship of some sort with Claudia because oh, it's just so pro- problematic. It's like she's trying to like what's that phrase with the clip its wings thing is like Uh, let them fly but clip their wings you know kind of situation like you can go be with whoever but just remember who owns you is essentially what she's saying yeah there's definitely like a power dynamic thing going on here and it's just so ironic to me how many times people can cheat on other people in this show and then still like give val grief about it or like Mm -hmm. well and at this point I don't think Kelly – Kelly definitely doesn't know about this. Absolutely not. There is no way that Kelly knows. Yeah. But we go back to the convent where everyone's eating dinner and there's just voiceovers where, like, the nun is making comments about, like, oh, these girls are so sweet. I wonder if any of them are virgins. Are girls (laughs) virgins anymore? (laughs) So weird. It was so weird. Like, some of the things – we're good. Like like the mashed potatoes. Oh my god, Claire just staring at her and Kelly being like, What does she want now? And Claire is like thinking, the potatoes. I want the potato like point to the potatoes. Right? It's not a vow of not pointing. <laughs> and then Kelly's like, I hope those potatoes go straight to her thighs. Which I'm like, please, I love potatoes. I will eat all the potatoes. Right? It's like this makes me want potatoes. God, I love potatoes. Meanwhile, Val is over on the other side of the table being like, I did Donna a favor sleeping with Ray. I mean, he's a piece of shit. I remember everything that he's done to her. Mm -hmm. And Donna, meanwhile, is like having a crisis of faith and conscience where she's like, maybe I should become a nun. 
Which, to be fair, given everything that has happened to Donna and the way that her friends are treating her, at the very least, she needs to transfer like Brenda did. Yeah. No kidding. This girl needs to get out of this apartment with these people and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. But after dinner, we get, you know, I guess it's like around bedtime and now it's time for the ladies to all kind of, you know, ponder about anything else. And so Kelly's thinking about all the times that she's sinned, a.k.a. cheated, um, you know, and so she's kind of just like thinking about that. Val is over here asking God for friends, poor girl, and saying how she always ruins it. And and then oh, this kind of like broke my heart a little bit because then she specifically asked God to look out for Donna because, quote, your sweetest lamb doesn't realize that when your boyfriend pushes you down the stairs, it doesn't mean I love you. It just breaks my heart a little because I do think there's some goodness in Val and that's, there's definitely, okay, I like, there's definitely goodness in Val. There's mm-hmm. definitely complexity. That's what makes her a great character is that, yes, she makes bad decisions, but she does try to make up for them. And she has shit going on in her life, but she clearly looks out for people and just tries to be straight up most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, you know, a couple others. We see Donna like legitimately praying, like using actual prayers. And then, you know, Claire's real snarky about it. But the next morning when the vow of silence is broken, Donna is outside walking around and the nun comes up to her and is like, oh, hey, how'd you sleep? How are things going? And Donna's like, I dreamt about joining the convent. Is that a sign? And the nun's like, look, if you have to question it, it's probably not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, let's talk. Let's get your car fixed. Let's go. And it turns out the car was an easy fix. So all the girls start packing up to leave. And they, like, basically after talking to the nun, Donna is like, look, let's just make a peace offering. Let's take care of this. Let's move on. And Donna is pulled aside by Val at after this peace offering is kind of instigated by Donna and and Val basically is like, hey, look, I honestly can't forget about what Ray did to you in Palm Springs. And I don't think you should forget about it either. Kind of encouraging her to confront Ray and actually talk about it instead of just doing more hand waving and just thinking, you know, it was an accident or out of character or whatever excuses Donna always made for him. Yeah. Like you know, okay, we're making a peace offering about what I did, but let's also talk about how there's like two people in what happened and how Ray has been treating you. Yep. And so, I mean, the last scene in the episode is back at the beach apartment. Donna has Ray over and is just absolutely confronting him. She's like, look, I know you slept with Val. You need to be honest with me. And Ray says like, okay, fine. I slept with her, but it was just the one time and I regret it. And Donna's like, I know you did it twice. You're still lying to me. Mm-hmm. And she goes as far as to say it's over. Like she and Ray are done. And this is again when Ray gets a little aggressive, grabs her by the shoulders and kind of shakes her and is like, like, you can't like, please don't do this. Like, don't do this. And Donna, thank God, stands up for herself And I think I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it and say this is my quote of the week. It was a tie for a couple others, but I just, I loved Donna 
taking up for herself and standing strong. And so she says, oh, yeah, what are you going to do? Are you going to throw me against the wall like in Portland? Are you going to push me down the stairs like in Palm Springs? Or do you only hit me when we're out of town? Yeah, I I wrote that whole thing down too. And I got to be honest, I was going to guess it for your quote this week because like I – it was so good. I love Mm -hmm. Donna standing up for herself and, you know, she goes to the door, she opens it and she's like, look, I have a lot of forgiveness in my heart and I can forgive Valerie, but I cannot forgive you and just stands there and demands that he leaves. Yeah, because it's finally like, unfortunately, it took so long and so many people to kind of reveal Ray's true colors, but I think it finally took Ray himself revealing his true colors by lying to her face about it. Um, And now Donna has all the information for her to be like, look, you lying to me is not okay. You sleeping with my friend is not okay. But what's really not okay is the fact that you abuse me. So I'm not putting up with this anymore. You can leave. And she doesn't let him, you know, apologize. She doesn't let him I don't know, just say anything to the contrary. She just opens the door and is like, get out of my house. And unfortunately, he says, you're going to regret this. Not not at all kind of just like, I'm sorry language. No, it's straight up threatening behavior and threatening language. And Donna, thankfully, just still stands her ground. It's like, well, what I do regret is that I didn't do this a long time ago. Yeah, I... I'm very nervous. It feels Mm -hmm. like, you know, the beginning of this episode set up that Ray is going to disappear for a while, but he's going to come back and I feel like he's going to come back when we least expect it and he is going to hurt Donna again physically and I was scared. A hundred percent. And it was such a retaliation like language, Mm -hmm. you know? It's threatening. It's got vibes of retaliation. It's this is partially what makes those who are abused afraid to come forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of wild to me because, like, Ray was a piece of shit last season. And, mm-hmm. like, he was cheating on Donna. He was physically abusing her. And then – you know, we get this whole thing at the beginning of this season where she talks about how they've had this amazing summer and he's getting along with her family and he's like really getting his music stuff, but still they're making time for each other. And then she breaks up with him because she finally understands everything that he did to her and he's right back to threatening her. Like it's it's a true cycle of abuse and I mm-hmm. wish I could believe that she's getting out of it and is moving on, but I'm just I don't feel comfortable yep 100% which yeah I think is what the show is doing like I think I think this episode set up a lot of pretty good stuff for us like you know we know Brandon is having money troubles but that his relationship with Susan is going to go really well Mm -hmm. and we know about you know what's going on with Donna and Ray and Donna's finally like really trying to you know, bury it all and make peace with Val. And we know that Tony and Dylan are like really in this like star-crossed moment where all the cards are on the table. Like, I think this was a pretty good episode. I'm the only other thing to talk about 
which is really nothing, is Colin's art dealer giving him grief about doing the mural and then meeting Kelly and then leaving and then Kelly and Colin making out. But Right. And it's it's just revealed that Colin has a show next week. So why is, you know, he wasting time with this mural? Mm -hmm. But I think that even, you know, brings up some stuff of something's going on with Colin and maybe, you know, it's going to come back on Kelly and she's going to get hurt in this. And we just, we don't know, but it's setting up a lot of threads for us to follow this season. That's right. So, okay. We know your quote of the week. Mary, do you have a moment of the week? Can I guess? It's 100% Steve's flesh-colored mustache, right? Okay, so that's <laughs> up there for sure. You know how I feel about a fake mustache on Steve. But um, I have to say it was the moments that I took notes in the most all caps. And um, I wrote... The girls talk about their bests and be Kelly's best kiss, question mark, question mark, is when she spent the night on her on the beach with her best friend's boyfriend, question mm -hmm. mark, question mark, <laughs> while Brenda was in France. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, I did love I Kelly's it. voiceover in the comment when she's like, I slept with my best friend's boyfriend. I slept with my boyfriend's best friend. Are they the same person? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, they are, Kelly. Um, yeah, like really just Kelly's mental gymnastics and hating Valerie for all of the things they have in common. Yeah. Which I also just love because like a lot of people that I used to like butt heads with when I was younger and more immature are like people who show things about me that I don't like about myself. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. I just thought that was a fun character moment. Um, but no, yeah, it is. Kelly's hypocrisy moment of the week. You can tell there's a lot of shame in this that mm -hmm. we haven't been able to explore from Kelly's side because I mean, yeah, she's literally cheated on the people closest to her twice with the same person. And I think, you're totally right. It's like Valerie is like holding up a mirror to Kelly and Kelly's not either A, mature enough to recognize it or B, she just feels so much shame about what she's doing. And kudos to Jenny Garth and the writers for starting to like let that happen a bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm really actually hoping we get some true like character moments from her because she's totally capable of handling it and it's needed. Yeah. She yeah. definitely needs like definitely needs to confront these things in herself and hello writers. She's probably in like psychology 1104 at this point. So <laughs> she can turn this in words a little bit and do some self-improvement pretty please, for sure. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a really good segue. What's next week's episode. Do you have it pulled up? I sure do. Um, next week, we have season six, episode seven, Violated. That's what it's called. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Might as well have been called Yikes. Right? Ugh, that makes me uncomfortable. I mean, I like kind of look forward to it given what they've brought up in this episode, but I also feel like 
titling the episode violated doesn't sound I mean but it could be anything because last episode was called lover's leap and it went the way it did like right like I totally don't trust anything anymore when it comes to the titles I don't either I will say my last comment about the episode was um, the director who um, directed this episode, he actually directs quite a few of the episodes that we are going to get in the future, but also he actually is a, he's credited as a producer um, as well. So he's been involved pretty much like, you know, from this point forward in a lot of episodes producing wise, but then has also directed a handful coming up. So I don't have any complaints and or really like crazy, like high moments from the directing, but I did think the flow of this episode was really, really strong. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually, I'm okay with that being that like this guy directs a couple of episodes and is credited with like production as well. Yeah. He also, side note, directed a bunch of episodes of Dawson's Creek, handful of episodes of Buffy, and is still handling a lot of stuff, a lot of TV these days. So well, he's had a long career. I love a lot of Buffy's directors, so I'm okay <laughs> with that. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll find out what that is next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. Yeah, just shoot us over an email. Um, You can let us know all of your thoughts, your questions, your comments, anything you'd like us to talk about that we don't or anything that you want us to keep talking about that we do. Shoot us over an email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All of those things really help us out. And if you give us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I am a bowl of mashed potatoes that might go straight to my thighs. I'm a really handy nun mechanic. I'm Colin's quote, quote, art dealer. Bye. Bye. See ya.